Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. So good to be here. Responsibility again of bringing the word of God. It's a huge honor and a privilege as always. So thank you Lord for that. Last week, Pastor Philip um, spoke about rising up from the ashes. Do you remember? As well as the, I feel the joy, you know, remember that? I feel the joy of the Lord. Pastor Phil spoke about rising up from the ashes. Um, those even rejected him and scorned him. Especially Peter, didn't we? He focused on Peter. Jesus still welcomed him back. On the beach, didn't he? As he after his resurrection, how beautiful that is! Even after all his rejection, Jesus just wants to welcome him back. He presents the sin before him, but it's up to us to acknowledge it and say, "Yes, Lord, forgive me." But Jesus is ready to eat with you again. He's always willing to eat with you. The table's always ready. We just got to receive it and accept it that who we are, we failed. We say, "Yes, Lord, thank you again." That's the mercy of Jesus. That's what Phil spoke about last week, rising up from the ashes. It's beautiful. So we know our sin and shortcomings, but Jesus doesn't rub our noses in it. We feel it, and it's up to us to offload it upon him. He wants our friendship and obedience. He wants us to follow him, doesn't he? Now, when you say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, Jesus does set out, the things that we need that will challenge us in our walk with him. The things that we need to shake off and the cost of following him. The disciples became strong followers of Jesus after that episode on the beach. They were willing to give their lives for him. Are we ready to give our lives? As many, many Christians have over the last 2,000 years. Extravagant grace, isn't it? Extravagant grace, the cross, beautiful, set us free, set us free. Now in life, we are influenced by all the things that are around us all the time. Influenced, the things that we watch and see, where we grow up, our surroundings, our peers, our families, our parents. And dads, there are going to be some new dads in here. Possibly, you know what I mean? There's lots of new dads coming up, I believe. Maybe that's a word. Possibly five, or I don't know. But God bless you guys. We need men of God. We need dads of God. Bring your children up in the way of the Lord. Blessing your children. Loving your children. You know, what are real men of God like? Christian men. You know, before I became a Christian, I was speaking to a non-Christian friend then, obviously, and we were saying that men in church are boring, grey sweaters or sandals or things like that. And they're, they're dull. Men of God are dull. Really? I hope not. You know? But what the world tells us though, I mean, we can't, men of God can't say, I love you, I love you. It's too sissy or something. 
A real man of God will tell you I love you. A man of God will say I love you to their son and daughter. Will say I love you regularly to your wife. Will say I love you to your parents. Because God says I love you. And he is our father. He is the one we need to copy. He says I love you. But the world, you know, look at the movie stars, James Bond and things. You can imagine him saying I love you. You know, this ain't going to happen, is it? Will you marry me? I love you. That's it, end of James Bond franchise, isn't it? It's done, it's finished. No one's going to watch James Bond again when he's married, is he? It's not going to be a dull James Bond movie. We actually went to see James Bond the other day, two weeks ago. And, you know, I, I like James Bond, I do. And I always feel like coming out to cinema, I like James Bond. It sort of inspires me. I could take on the world after I've been to a James Bond movie. Hi, how are you? you know, it's easy. I love it. But this time it's a different experience. Because that week, I noticed on the news that there was um, the, the Church of England and some other Christian bodies had put together a video to show before Star Wars video. Uh, do you know do you about the, who's heard about this? It's like a, the faith prayer, isn't it? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Beautiful video, praise God for his words. But the cinema bodies have deemed it too offensive to show before s- cinema viewings. And um, they, they banned it. It was going to be put on before the Star Wars movies that were all starting soon. And then we went to the James Bond movie. First of all, I actually thought I went to a, a cinema screening for Frozen or something. Because there's so many kids in there. Seriously. There were so many young people in there. I thought, Lily goes, are we in the right cinema? I said, yeah, I think so. So I looked at my ticket. Screen two. Yeah, it's definitely James Bond. But honestly, there was young, 10-year-old. It looked really young movie. And I just thought, whoa. And next to me was a kid with a big Coke and popcorn. I thought, oh, it's going to be a noisy cinema to experience this one. So we sat in there. And then with that in the back of my mind, that, 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 that banning of that offensive video, we were subjected to trailers of... Um, detailed, explicit sexual nature, violence, of course, and all these things before it. This is what the world is telling us, isn't it? And people say, well, you are going to be offending other faiths. And, but the stuff that we witnessed on that trailers, let alone what was in the movie. And, you know, James Bond movies are appearing more darker now, aren't they, as well, in graphic detail of, you know, I won't say it now, obviously. But uh, but that's what that's what's before us. That's what's before us. So I didn't go out there feeling like James Bond actually <laughs> on that particular occasion. I just felt, wow, this is what we're and, and I felt for these young adults, these young kids, you see, being taken there, witnessing all that stuff, explicit nature, very detailed, explicit nature. So that's what we're up to. That's what, what the world is telling us and showing us. And these are the things that are moulding and shaping us. These are the things that are shaping us. So we need to, well, being here, we're here because we want to hear from God. We want to be strengthened our walk and our follow of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here, to put our eyes on him, to focus back on him. After the things of the world we've received during the week, we need to get our eyes back on the cross and back on Jesus. But I want to know what it means to be shaped and moulded to copy and follow the example of Jesus. Hallelujah. Ready for that? 
I've asked Joe to read another voice. Joe, would you like to, sh- to read the word of God for us? And thank you very much. And would you like to pray for us as well, Joe? Thank you. Morning, church. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for who you are and everything that you're doing in our lives, the things we see and the unseen. Lord, I just ask you to prepare everybody's heart this morning. Soften our hearts, Lord, and let us hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to each one of us. Show us how we can apply these words to our own lives and that we can just draw closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The scripture reading is Luke 9, and it's verse 51 to 62. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went into another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to them, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Amen. A divine God, beautiful, entered the world to be amongst the people he created. To show real love, real servanthood, real sacrifice, to die for his people. Who would not want to follow him? The saviour of the world. Following the saviour of the world. In this passage, Jesus shows us leadership. He asks direct and blunt questions, but with compassion. And we've met several characters further down the passage as well, who are asking to follow or being asked to follow, but not being totally committed or decisive, a bit wishy-washy in whether or not to, really, but when confronted with the question from Jesus. But Jesus sets out the meaning of following him, the focused mentality of following him, and the cost of following him, what it means. Now we can believe in Jesus, we can, we can say it, yes, he was the son of God. But you're not really a follower, you're like a follower on, a, on Twitter or something, you know. I follow Jesus, you know. You're just waiting for the, the weekly thing and, oh yeah, that's, that's good, you know. I'm a friend of Jesus. Yeah, we can be friends on Facebook with millions of people, we don't know them, you know. So, 
we know the value of true friendship. You know, that's why I don't really do Facebook and Twitter, really. I, I haven't got the discipline to do it. <laughs> and um, I want to know face-to-face who my friends are, really, at the moment. Until I hear from God, then I'll do it. <laughs> but at the moment, I just haven't got the, uh, the discipline and the, to do that. I want to know who is really part of my life in this day and tomorrow. That's what I do. Because Jesus wants true followers. Those who are determined, resolute and living for him. So are we going to be resolute and live for him? Are we going to be determined followers of him? Remember last week we recognised that he pulled us from the ashes. He pulled us from the pit into his light. Now he sets out what we need to follow him, what we need to do. He wants to spend time with you. That's true friendship, spending time with people on Twitter. And you don't spend time with them, you just you follow them, but you don't spend time with them. He wants to eat with you. Yeah, Follow me. Okay, what's your password you know he he doesn't want that he wants to eat with you he wants to come with you he wants to come into your house that's when you spend time with him then you really are eating and following with him you've got to have a desire to make it your priority to spend time with him you know i said earlier about men of god we need men of god not james bonds we need men of god you know and i want to um I don't have many men here study hard the Bible in the mornings, but over the last few years, I've really spent time in the the books of Explore. They're like Bible notes. I brought a few along here today that I've I've used. And, um, you know, I want to encourage you men, get into something like this. These are free to give away now. I mean, if if come along and half hour a day, a good Bible study, prayer notes, Really meaty Bible study, spending time and quality time. These books really helped me in my walk with Jesus and opening the Bible. We need to spend time with him and enjoy his presence. And that really helped me in my walk with him. You know, we need to imitate Jesus' determination and boldness. It's all right to imitate Jesus. We need his boldness. And brave. He's got to be brave to follow him. Verse 51 we read. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Resolutely. means determined and focused. One thing on his mind. I'm going. I am going to Jerusalem. But what was ahead for him in Jerusalem? It was his death. It was his punishment. He was going to face death. He's going to look into the eyes of those he created and love, who are going to spit in his face, who are going to beat him. But he was determined and resolute in going. He knew he was going to face persecution and death, but he was determined to go. If I knew there was trouble ahead, I'd be hitting reverse. Oh, I'm not going there. No, oh, no, thank you. But Jesus shows determination required. This kind of resolve has to characterise our lives as followers of Jesus. We can do things with determination when there's a nice reward at the end. You know, we can gut out our houses, completely change our houses, because at the end we're going to get a nice house. 
Or some wives will actually argue against that, saying, I can't live like this for much longer. Get the kitchen done, you know. We have a kitchen now. It's basic, but it works. We've got a lounge back, haven't we? Yeah, excellent. Praise God. Come on. When we go to the blood donor, my wife, she hates needles, right? But we go, and she goes, I must go. I must give blood. So she resolutely goes and determined. Even though I'm laying there, I hear a big yelp on the other bed. You know, the needle goes in. You know, who likes giving blood? I give blood. Praise God. I'm there. I'm giving out the blood. Take an armful. Go on. Do your worst. In goes the needles. In goes the pinprick. Because I know at the end, there's cakes and crisps and biscuits. (laughs) It's all free. I'd go every week if I was all, if I was allowed to. You're allowed to eat, they encourage you to eat as much sugar as you can. Go to the blood donors, you get a free buffet. But you've got to go through the pain first. That's true. Giving blood's good. Hallelujah. So when God gives us a course of action, we must move steadily towards that goal. Do not be afraid. God says, do not be afraid. Don't delay it. Don't do a Jonah. Don't run away. A big whale will eat you and come back. Don't do it. And along the way, where Jesus has called you to be, there could be potential hazards on the way. And then, of course, at the destination, whatever Jesus has called you to do at the end. On the journey to Jerusalem, there is a hazard facing Jesus in this story and his disciples. And it's called Samaria. After Assyria invaded Israel and resettled it with its own people, the mixed race that developed was called the Samaritans. Now, purebred Jews disliked the half-breds, quite racist, and vice versa. Therefore, travellers between Galilee and southern Judea often walked around rather than going through Samaritan territory because it was hostile and even longer trip. Maybe that's why they built the M25 around London. So you'd have to go through London to meet all the Cockneys. <laughs> Is there any Cockneys here? <laughs> oh, God bless you, brother. <laughs> but Jesus did not hold prejudice. He went through the village. He went through Samaritan territory, didn't he? He did not hold prejudice. So in our walk with Jesus, we cannot too hold prejudice. We have to go through where he's called us to be, even if it's his hostile territory. Be brave and courageous. He sent messengers ahead, didn't he, to get things ready in a Samaritan village. The village refused to welcome the travellers, it said. The village refused to welcome him. The people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. They recognised he was a Jew and did not welcome him and his disciples. We too will not be welcomed in some places as followers of Jesus. Even in our own city, people will scorn us because of our faith. 52 to 56, and he sent messengers ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Verse 54, when the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. When James and John were rejected, 
they did not want to just shake off the dust off their feet. Earlier in the chapter in Luke 9, 5 to 6, Jesus instructs his disciples this. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people. Jesus instructs them to shake off the dust of their feet. But James and John forgot the teaching. That was only just a few verses away. What could we forget from week to week? That's why we need to come to regular Bible readings, regular study, refreshing the word of God. That's a lot of memory. That's a lifetime's work. We need to be regularly reading the word of God to remember it. If James and John forgot it in one page, we'd certainly forget things. So they forgot. And they wanted to retaliate by calling down fire from heaven. Lord, should we call down fire on these people? Like the prophet Elijah in Two Kings on the wicked king of Israel. So God may send us to places where we may not be welcomed. But you will not know what impact your words and your your manner, your character has on those people. You will never know sometimes until you get to heaven. Then you'll hear the story. Wow, that word you said had an impact. And years later, they came to faith. You sow the seed, God waters it, and God does the rest. All you can do is say single words sometimes and then trust it to God. Bless them and go away. When others reject or scorn us, we may feel like retaliating. Oh yeah. But we must remember that judgment only belongs to God. He judges all. He judges us. We must not expect him to use his power to carry out our own personal vendettas. <laughs> you know, a few weeks ago I shared when I broke down in my car, some unnamed person put wrong fuel in my car. It was me. And I broke down, but I was worshipping God in the field, waiting for the AA, and I was worshipping, and the van went past, and all these young men, said, Lord, fire on those Philistines in that van, Lord. <laughs> I said, God bless you guys. That's all I said. Let God do the rest. When a car overtakes you on the motorway, and he's doing, you know, you're doing the 70, and he's doing, you think, God bless you, man. God judges, we can't get wrapped up in other things. Let God do the judging. We just bless them. Just bless them. They may laugh at us. Look at that idiot in the field praying to the scarecrows. Let God do the rest. Let God do the rest. You know, Jesus is amazing. He is so, so wonderful. And I say that I would die for him. But, you know, until that moment, <laughs> you, no one really knows. But I would say I would and are we, are we ready to follow him into battle? Really follow him into battle? Because he gives us something, doesn't he? That Holy Spirit. It's alive. It's not just a word. He's really in you. And I want to pass that Holy Spirit fire onto people. The Holy Spirit of God is the fire in me that enables me to get up here and, and live my days now, every day of my life. As we move on and now in our years, you know, I need the Holy Spirit more than ever. You know, Jesus may ask us to go to safe countries, nice little mission trips here and there. But he may ask you to go somewhere in the unknown. 
And are we ready for that? You know, he may talk, he may send you to Premier Inns. He may send you to nice places, but sometimes you just don't know where you're going to sleep. Jesus says here, didn't he? In um, he had no, even the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He was a refugee. Jesus came in the world as a refugee, had nowhere to lay his head. He may call you too to go somewhere without a bed. You may have to sleep on the ground. Are we ready for that? Give your all to Jesus. The Holy Spirit will give you enough strength to endure what God wants you to do. He will. He will. And we pray regularly for our brothers and sisters all over the world in different countries who are facing persecution for the strength they need in the face of testing trials. My next point is hot or cold. Hot or cold. People say to me, oh, you're on fire for God. That means hot. Right? That means fire. It means not just a little candle burning. This is fire. Hot or cold. Revelation 3.16. Let's read that. What does Jesus say about hot or cold? So, let's go back to 15. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Verse 16. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Strong words. But because when you're in love with God, it can be said you are on fire. You are hot. I am so on fire for Jesus. And I want everyone here to be on fire for Jesus. And I want to be on fire to the day that he calls me home. I want to be dancing into heaven. I'm going to be feeling the joy of the Lord into heaven. Like a couple of the guys here last week. They were feeling the joy, weren't they? Hallelujah. Dancing into heaven. Hot for Jesus. That is the Holy Spirit that gives you that endurance for tough situations. We are on fire. But Jesus spells it out again and again. In the, in, in the, in the frankness of reading it, it looks, cool. this is hard teaching. Who can really follow this? In John 6, 60. John 6, 60. It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples says, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? Then going on to 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So it will challenge some and I say, ah, this is a bit too hard for me. It's not for me. He challenges you. And 67 to 69, you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked Peter. Peter again, isn't it? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen. So we accept him as saviour and leader. But then after hearing some of his teaching, we think, oh, I can't handle that. It's a bit too hard for me. And we turn our backs. But there will be those who say, no, 
you are the truth. You are the way. You are the life. And I'm going to stand by you, Lord, whatever it takes. Because I know what you've done for me. Are we those people? Are we those people? Yes. Jesus wants committed followers. And he will test you and the strength of your faith. Of course it will. You will have doubts. You will have struggles. But it's through those moments that you will see God's work in you. When you're struggling to pay that bill at the month and you just keep trusting God. It's God, I still trust you. God will do miracles in your life. He is amazing. He is worth everything. Hallelujah. Verse 57 of the original um, passage we were reading. As they're walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. In the same account in Matthew 8, this man here was a religious Jewish, Jewish law teacher. And he says, I will follow you. The teacher of the law says, I'm going to follow you. But Jesus' response in verse 58, foxes of dens, birds of nests, son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Now he said that Jesus has nowhere to lay his head. And he will call some of us to disown our earthly goods to follow him. Now that is true. There are, when you come into the Christian walk, you hear these stories of Christian missionary people who just sold everything and just following Jesus where he's taking them. And Jesus says, enter the town, sell everything you have and just go. And sometimes that happens. Jesus is calling these people, look, I've got nowhere to lay my head. I have nothing. Are you going to follow me? He's challenging, you see. He's challenging the law teacher there. He's compassionate. He's challenging them. This is what it means. You've got to lose everything for me. You're prepared to do that. We pray, don't we? Make me more like you, Lord. Are we sure? Are you sure you want to lose everything? You want to sell everything? Are you sure? He does not force us to follow him. But for me, he really is the only thing to follow. He puts it all in perspective. Our brokenness, our pride, our sin. The things we witnessed at the cinema that time. The trailers and the stuff that's in our faces. and He just puts it in perspective. It's a broken world. A lot of suffering in it. But he is the only hope that it can bring. Following Christ may cost you friendships, popularity, leisure time, all those treasured habits. But while the cost of following Christ, the cost of following Christ is high, the value of being a Christ disciple is even higher. It's even more exciting. Some of the stories that we were coming into these last few years of what God's doing in our Christian lives, because we're prepared to do what Jesus tells us to do, is incredible. Incredible. Any moment, any time, God can use a situation. It's incredible. It's exciting. Now, my son, my youngest son, he left a bag on a bus, and I had to go to lost property at the stagecoach. And I thought, okay, I'll go. And it's a week later, and I said, my son lost his bag on the number seven bus, blah, blah, blah. And the lady got up, and she was in pain. I could see she was in pain. She went and got the bag, and she put her plastic bag, she thought she'd do an operation. She got her gloves on. She started lifting all these things up. She just said, that's not mine. That's not his. Then she put out a couple of T-shirts. Ah, there is T-shirts. So we're having a bit of a banter with the banter. That's a young word, isn't it? <laughs> I thought some banter with the lost property lady. 
I said, yeah, there is. He said, oh, young men. I said, yeah, I know. He's 17 now, but, you know, he still just loses his odd things, you know. There is socks, yes, there is socks. So I put them back in the bag, and I felt, well, do I really, do I just need to get the bag and run off here? God, can I talk to this lady? What do you want me to do? And then I felt God say, yes, talk to her. So I just put the bag, and I said, you blessed me with this bag. She goes, did I? Yeah, you did. But God wants to bless you. You're in pain in your knee, aren't you? She goes, yes, it's excruciating pain. It's agony. I can't untell what's going on with it. It's it's painful. I said, look, Jesus died on the cross for you. First of all, I gave her the gospel. that Jesus died for you. He loves you. He, His Holy Spirit is here now. God the Father, Jesus the Son, Holy Spirit is here right now. Bang, he's going to heal your knee. Oh, right, okay. Uh, Do you believe? No. I said, what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? And there was two people there watching. I said, Let me, give me your hand. So I started praying over her. The Holy Spirit fell. She nearly fell over. I said, do something you couldn't do before. The pain is gone. It's gone. And the other girl says, can you feel anything? I'm all tingly down my right side. The pain's gone. I says, Jesus doesn't want to heal your knee. He wants to heal your heart. He loves your heart. He wants a relationship for you. And that's it, get it back to the heart. I've learned that. Get it back to the heart issue. He wants, he died for you. This Christmas time and you're looking at all the cards and things, it's not about Turkey, it's about Jesus. That's what I said to her. It's more about mince pies, it's about Jesus. I pray over you right now and I prayed again. I said I pray twice. I said I'm going to pray now for the, to give God the glory for what he's just done. Because he did it. And then I prayed for the other lady as well. I was on the way out. And I said, as you're celebrating Christmas this year. I pray you will remember what happened in here today. And it's about Jesus Christ. He loved and died for you. His Holy Spirit done this, not me. Praise God. That is the life of being a Christian. That's what Jesus has called us to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We'll continue in 59. He said to another man, follow me. Oh, what's your part? No, he didn't say that. He replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now this disciple could have been asking permission to go to his father's funeral or or the impending funeral. No one knows. But Jesus, Jesus was aiming the question saying, you're putting off following me. You're putting it off. That's what he meant. Jesus asks questions to get to the heart of the real motive of the people. He gets to the, the crux of it. Don't put it off. Jesus does this a lot. He gets questions right to the heart of the matter. He challenges your heart. The cost of following Jesus. We all make rash decisions in the heat of the moment. I've done many things like that, saying, yes, I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah, I'll volunteer for this. I'll do that. I'll do that job. I'll do that errand. And then next day you wake up, you're thinking, why did I say yes to doing that? I ain't got time to do the coffee rotor. I ain't got time to do the welcome to you. Know, we can all volunteer to do things, but actually we've got to step back and think, do you want me to do it? Have I got time to do this? Can I give it my all? Can I give it everything? Let's not make rash decisions. We need to step back and pray about decisions. God wants to be involved in all our decisions. 
He wants to be involved in every single decision we make. Everything. I remember Bill James, the, uh, the American pastor here, wasn't he? He was talking. He asked God to choose which orange is the best flavour, the most juiciest. He got God involved in everything. Lord, I don't know my oranges. Which oranges are best? This one. Okay, Lord, thank you. And he says it's the best oranges that he eats because God is in every decision he makes. So let's not make rash decisions in following Jesus. This is what it means. Verse 60 says, let the dead bury their dead. The dead here means those dead in their sin. Those who have not eyes on the kingdom but are spiritually dead. You have work to do in the kingdom. Let the spiritually dead bury their dead. So Jesus was always direct with those who wanted to follow him. He made sure they counted the cost and set any aside any conditions they may have for following him. As God's son, Jesus does not hesitate to demand complete loyalty. After what he done for me on the cross, he gets all my loyalty. Everything. I used to wear a badge when I was young. Arsenal loyal supporter. You know, they got all my loyalty. But that Jesus gets all my loyalty. He demands all my obedience and all my loyalty. Even family loyalty was not to take priority over the demands of obedience to Jesus. Looking at verses 61 to 62. Another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What kind of God would ask us to do this? A God who gave you your wife, a God who gave you your husband, a God who gave you your children, a God who gave you life, a God who forgave you, a God who died for you. That's the kind of God who's saying, put me before them. What God gives, God can take. His direct challenges forces us to ask ourselves about our own priorities in following him. Don't put the decision off to follow him. Even when other loyalties compete for our attention. Nothing should be placed above total commitment to living for him. Don't look back. Jesus says to me, no one puts a hand to the plough and looks back. Is fit for service. You're going that way? Don't look back. On Friday, I was on a job in Ipswich doing a church conversion. And the builders all got their music players playing, haven't they? All the, the nice music and that, you know. And um, they had a radio station on there and the radio presenter was going, we're now going to look back to the 1980s and all this. I thought, oh, it's my era. So my ears picked up. I thought, oh, it's my era. And it was, it was the song Yaz, The Only Way Is Up. You remember that one? The Only Way Is Up. That one. Remember that one? And I thought, oh, well, I remember that song. But then you sort of think, where did you hear it? Oh, it in my... Jesus says, no. and straight away, that verse came with it. It says, you're preaching on Sunday about don't look back. I said, oh, Lord, yeah. Don't look back. Go away, 1980s. I'm now in 2016. 1980s is done. It's done. Don't look back. How can I work for God if I'm looking back in the 1980s, listening to the Yaz? I've got to be served for the kingdom. So I went and did my work diligently, spoke the gospel to some builders, had breakfast with them, ate with them, talked about my future and my hopes of working for Jesus full time. That's what it means to service of the kingdom of God now. Not looking back to Yaz in the 1980s. 
<laughs> the only way is up. The only way is Jesus. That's what I say. I want to change that song. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, Matthew 10 also has um, commentaries on what Jesus is talking about here. Matthew 10, 37, Jesus is talking again quite strongly. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Wow. We're all, I'm aware that every single person is on a different part of their journey. And I found this difficult, you know, um, six months into our marriage. Um, I started having doubts. I wasn't a strong Christian. After all my garbage and all the things I'd done bad, I thought, oh, this is nice. This is a nice little answer to my problem. But it wasn't sown deep into my heart. And six months of my marriage, I was challenged at work with atheist books, an atheist book about a preacher who became an atheist. I thought, he must have the answer. He's a, he was a preacher. He's got to have the, if I read this, this is, this is true. So it really challenged me, and um, for several weeks, or a bit more, I don't know, it was tough, because Lily and I, at that moment, we weren't equally yoked for a while. She was strong in her faith, and I was having doubts, and I was getting dragged back. And I remember what Lily said to me once, she goes, if you're ch- asking me to choose between God and you, I choose God. And that was like a real whoosh, that really challenged me. It's what Jesus says here, isn't it? She was loving Jesus above me, and she told me that. And I didn't get it. I thought, it's three people in this marriage, me, you, and Jesus. And I should be first. I didn't get it. But she was an example of a praying wife in the midst of a husband struggling. Now, I acknowledge and commend those who have said that to their spouses about putting Jesus first, keep strong in the faith, keep praying for your husband or wife, because men have really stubborn hearts. <laughs> we really don't want to submit. Men's hearts are so strong and pride, we need a broken and contrite heart. God says, I only use men with broken and contrite hearts. And for a man to break, as hard. But Jesus, uh, Lily used the words of Jesus there, and that really started to break. I thought, wow, she really does. And I thought, I can't stay with a woman who, we're so different now, yoked. Six months of time marriage. Soon after, Lily went to Colombia for five weeks. I said, go for five weeks to see your parents. And in this time, I thought, right, I will now disprove the Bible. <laughs> right? That's like a challenge, and I'm going to disprove the Bible. And when she comes back, I'm going to say, we should have a divorce. Because it's not fair on you to live with me like this. I was ready for that. But one night in, one night in, as I went to my room, I saw the Bible, I saw these atheist books. I had my Paul on the road to Damascus moment. I picked up the Bible and said, God, are you really real? 
And for three hours I was sweating. There was light. There was shaking. There was God's voice. And I woke up a different person that next day. I heard God's voice. It says, I've taken her away for five weeks, my daughter, away for five weeks for you to put me first. To get to know me. It was amazing. And then for five weeks, we were on the phone. I didn't want to tell Lily what had happened. My conversion again, if you like, my real Holy Spirit conversion. But I knew now that Lily and her sister were fasting and praying for me. Saying, Lord, I can't change my husband, but you can. And they were praying this on the other side of the world. So keep faithful in prayer. Men have got to come in their own free will, but you've got to submit and be broken. And then five weeks later, we God just beautifully orchestrated our reunion in an airport in Madrid. Out of the blue, I got a work opportunity to visit some stone quarries in Spain, as if that had ever happened. Never does. Yeah, I'll go. It's the same week that Lily goes back. Okay. Went there. Got on the same flight as her on the way back from Spain and the seat next to her. Praise the Lord of Jesus Christ. That is what the Lord does. He sees our hearts and he rewards us. And we've been married 10 years next year. Lily's had an amazing 10 years. Thank you for your prayers. God listens to prayers. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Lily's prayers. So thank you, God, for you. I love you with all my heart, and I thank Jesus for you. To get closer to Jesus, we need to survey our life. We may need to stop doing certain things if we want to be determined about following him. Stopping certain TV programs or music or whatever it may be. Less time on the internet. Ask yourselves, am I getting closer to Jesus if I'm doing this? Of course he wants you to have leisure time. He wants men, doesn't he? He wants men and you know, strong women of God. He wants you to do your white river rafting things and all that kind of stuff. He wants you to have an explosive life. But he doesn't want you wasting your time. We've been converting our house for seven months. Not had a television for seven months. People say, oh, how did you live? It's been amazing. It's been liberating. It's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. We talk and you know we don't need the television to live our lives. Am I close to Jesus doing this or that? Where you are. I know by my experience, it's been incredible and I just urge you all to get closer to Jesus. He'll take you. He'll protect you along the journey. And he's worth the sacrifice If you lose your friends in the world, he'll give you great Christian. Look at this beautiful family of church people here. I love every single one of you, brothers and sisters. You're all amazing. You're all amazing. Hallelujah. As a disciple, you may be laughed at, persecuted. You will face hazards and you will be tested. But you will see God's power at work in you if you believe. He set us free from our sin. Our bondage, our pride, our everything. Though we are works in progress, 
we can change each day more following the will of our Saviour, Lord Jesus Christ. Follow the Saviour. Hallelujah. Do you receive it today? Hallelujah. Let's stand. Let's give the glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.